0: Let's uh, continue on a minute from where we were last time, and uh, we were thinking last week about uh, uh, the way in our world it's very easy to have things side by side that just don't make sense, that aren't lined up, and unconscious as we sing a song like the one that we have just sung, it's easy for there, things to, be, easy for there to be things in my life and yours that, that don't line up that we say uh, through song something that while we believe it to be true, but our actions, our behavior exhibit something different. And uh, I-, I was in, just a few days ago, in the range. You know that dreadful shop uh, down just around the corner uh, that comes from uh, uh, the Kingdom of Darkness? And I was, I was in there during the daytime, and there were, there were mums in there with little children. And, and you, you know what it's like, the, the mum, it's only about 12 o'clock, but the, all the mums are just wishing that it would be, you know, uh, dad's coming home time, if there is a father that's coming home. Uh, uh, and the kids are all fractious and, uh, uh, and so on, and I'm thinking, crikey, it's only Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever day it was. Uh, and there was one little girl, uh, I was annoyed, by the way, in, in the range, um, because I went to where, uh, a few weeks ago, was what I wanted to buy and I went back to that shelf that exact same spot and it wasn't there not only was what I wanted not there the whole shelf wasn't there in fact the whole area of the shop had already moved out to make way for Christmas that's right and- and Father Christmas's outfits were there and Christmas cards were there and trees and, uh, and, uh, and lights and so on. So if you haven't got yours, I'd get down there quick because I'm sure they're selling fast. So I went to this place. I'm already annoyed you I know, hasn't got what I want because what I wanted now isn't important because we're all bowing down for Christmas. And one little girl was equally annoyed uh, because she wanted to go and explore all the Christmas stuff but the mum wasn't having any of it. What a killjoy fancy that, little child, oh, nice bright lights. Mum's going, no, we're going, we're going, we're going. Uh, And the kid starts, you know, to make a scene and the mum tries to placate the child and so on. Uh, And in the end, the mum realises that she's got the killer argument for why they should not go and look at the Christmas decorations. And the killer argument went like this, we cannot possibly go and look at the Christmas decorations, it's ages to Christmas, let's go and choose our costumes for Halloween. And she was chuffed by that, and off she toddled to another part of the shop where the things that you normally want have been got rid of to make way for Halloween. And I thought about this little girl growing up in our world as I left that shop. What does she think's true? True. In their home, they will celebrate Halloween, I suppose. They will dress up as witches and wizards, and they will wear pointy hats, and they will uh, do whatever you do for Halloween. And then a few months later, they will do all kinds of stuff with bright lights and crystal balls, apparently about a boy, a child named Jesus. And the fact that those two things stand side by side in our culture, nobody seems to mind, do they? Nobody bats an eyelid. That on one side of the aisle it can be stuff for Halloween, on the other side of the aisle it can be stuff for Christmas. We can have a bit of this and we can have a bit of that and nobody seems to mind but it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't line up. How can you celebrate Halloween with your kids only to celebrate the coming of Christ into the world a few months later? It doesn't make any sense. And if we're going to be a bright light in today's world, it strikes me that we need to live as people that make sense. We need to live in a joined-up kind of way that most people don't live like anymore. In fact, we need to live in a way that where the pieces that make up our lives all fit together in a coherent way, which most people say, well, it doesn't matter much anymore. Believe what you like and do what you like. Take a little bit of this and a little bit of that. So I want to think about whether your life joins up this morning, whether it all fits together. Last week we talked about belief, maybe your belief uh, as we talked about some of the things last week, the bits of what you believe that don't quite fit together and that you need to bring those things under the Lordship of Christ. Now think about the rest of our lives and bringing some of these things under the Lordship of Christ as well. We might have thought that becoming a Christian means that uh, everything gets uh, uh, sorted out in our lives. You don't need to be in church for more than about, ooh, a third of a second to realise that's just not the case. You might have wished that when you became a Christian, suddenly you were completely transformed from the inside out. But sadly, the person next to you will remind you that that's not the case. So how do we move from where we are to bring the whole of our life in line with Jesus Christ, so that the whole of our lives are joined up. Well, that's what we're going to think about this morning. If you've got your Bible open uh, at Galatians, please do, where Len uh, read to us. Galatians, it's after. Thank you. Galatians, it's after. Corinthians, it's after. Romans. And it is page. Sorry? 1172. Verse 16 says, So I say, I say, live by the Spirit. Now, who's Paul writing to? If you flick back to the beginning of the letter. And uh, it's quite odd, isn't it? If you get a letter at home, you wouldn't just read the middle. You usually read it all. So we just remind ourselves that this is part of a whole. Uh, and if you look at verse 1, it tells us who's writing it. Paul, an apostle, and uh, he's sent from, uh, uh, from Jesus Christ. Uh, he's sent from men, uh, 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 from Jesus who was raised from the dead. And then verse 2, uh, and all the brothers with me send their greetings and so on. Who's it to? It's to the churches in Galatia. It's not to the Galatians, to any person who happens to live in Galatia, but it is to the churches, to the Christians, to those who belong to Jesus in Galatia. Now the reason I'm stressing that point is it's very easy to read the verses uh, at the end of chapter 5 as if they're kind of, uh, Paul's chucking them out to the whole of the world and he's saying to the whole of the world that there are two different ways that you can live here. You can live this sinful uh, nature kind of way or you can live by the Spirit. But he's not doing that, he's writing to Christian people, the people who every Sunday would be inside a church, the people who've made the decision... The people who are in Christ, and he's saying to the Christians, You Christians, there are two different ways that you can live as a Christian. Two different ways. One's joined up and makes sense with the new life in Christ that is in you, the other doesn't. Verse 16 So I say, Live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. And then from verses 19 to 21, he describes what living by the sinful nature might look like. He's writing, talking to Christian people. And then from verses 22 to the end, or sorry, 22, 23, he's talking about what it might look like as Christian people to live by the Spirit. Two different ways that you can live as a Christian. It's not that those that he was writing to that are living by the sinful nature were kind of pagans that didn't believe in Jesus. But somehow they'd lost their way, and they weren't living up to all that was true about them. Let's get our heads around this, that there is a choice. What did actually happen when you became a Christian. When you became a Christian, we looked at this a few weeks ago, God gave you, in the deepest part of you, a brand new heart. Something deep down in the core of your being changed when you became a Christian. So what the Bible promises is the truth. The old has gone and the new has come. Something tangibly, objectively new happened in you when you became a Christian. And that newness brings to us the new life of Christ. So in the core of your being, when you became a Christian, something changed deep within you. And you'll remember, instead of your your spirit, your inner life, just being connected to your body, which is what happens when you're born uh, or when you're conceived, your spirit, your inner life is also now connected with God. That's what happened when you became a Christian and you began this new relationship. You had a new master uh, uh, that you live for and that you serve under. Something tangible, real, rescued us out of the com- Dominion, the rule of darkness, and brought us, the Bible says, into a new kingdom, a new place, uh, the kingdom of the Son, whom he loves. That's what happened. What didn't happen is that your body didn't change. Perhaps there'd be more buying if it did. Uh, That didn't happen. You still look the same. Our flesh, this is a terrible word, isn't it? that some of the old translations use, and the NIV uh, translation is no better, our flesh was not taken away. What do we mean by that? Well, uh, substitute the idea of flesh for the natural way you would think and behave. The natural you without any reference to uh, God. When you became a Christian... All your natural ways of thinking and all your natural behaviour did not change overnight. I would hope that some things did change quite quickly. But all the complexity of who you are and the ways that you think and the ways that you behave did not change. Nobody pressed the clear button when you became a Christian. Instead, The rest of our Christian journey is about training our flesh, our natural person, our our natural way of thinking that is against God and independent of God, is changing the way we think and react and behave to conform to this new identity, this new reality in Christ. Which is why Paul writes to the Romans and he says, The way you think has to be be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind does not automatically think differently because you became a Christian. You have to train the natural you to live in the light of this new reality. We have to choose to throw old ways of thinking, old attitudes, old actions out and to replace them with new ones that are in line, in keeping with that new reality that we have in Christ. So you will notice that uh, when the NIV, for example, uses the phrase sinful nature, it usually puts a footnote at the bottom of the page. So for example, Galatians 5 verse 13 where the word sinful nature uh, comes, there's a little A in my Bible, it might be anecdoted differently in yours, and it says, all the flesh down at the bottom. It, it does that because it is not theologically accurate to say that your core being is now sinful. We've done away with that. Remember, you're, you're not a sinner saved by grace, you're a saint. Thank you, Margaret. We're not sinners at the core of our being, so we've been changed, transformed. This sinful nature is not now reflecting what's at the core of your being, but it is reflecting the natural you, the patterns of behaviour, the ways of thinking that you are so used to and so comfortable with, but now no longer line up, no longer line up with the new you. And we can live with this disjointed kind of thinking. And the third thing that didn't happen when you became a Christian, sadly, is that sin did not die. Sin is very alive and well. In fact, you might have discovered that when you became a Christian, sin suddenly seemed far more alive and well than it ever did before you'd made a decision to follow Christ. What's the truth about sin? Sin itself is not dead, but the Bible tells us that we have died to sin. While sin is not dead, the new you is dead to sin. Galatians 5, verse 24. For example, if you've still got it open in front of you, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. The the old way is dead compared to the new way that God has placed in you. The trouble is, I suspect, that for many of us, sin doesn't feel very dead. And the reason that sin doesn't feel very dead sometimes is that we haven't put much effort or or maybe enough effort into making sure that our new ways of thinking and behaving line up with the new spirit that is within us. The law of sin seems ever so powerful, and it's because we've not embraced a greater law that needs now to be at work in our lives. If you look at verse 18 of Galatians chapter 5, if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under law. There is a greater, a greater law than the religious law, and that's the law of the Spirit. You can't fly. And the reason you can't fly is that the law of gravity consistently stops you. There isn't a moment when the law of gravity stops There's nothing you can do about that. You can try and cheat gravity, but it it will continue to exercise its pull on you. It is a constant uh, force at work in your life and mine. And that's what my physics teacher would always say. And he'd also say, You think you're odd, don't you? Well, I'm the odd one round here now. (laughs) He'd say that as well. But he'd also say, He'd also say that some laws are just there. And the law of sin is just there. Let's not pretend that it's not there. It is just there. But if you go to uh, Heathrow and you get on an aeroplane, there are other laws that, if you pray hard enough down the runway, become greater than the law of gravity so that you can fly. There is not a moment when the law of gravity is not pulling on that plane, uh, a bit like this one. Not a moment. But there are greater laws at work so that gravity no longer has its hold on you or on the plane or whatever. The law of sin in our world is still very real, kid yourself not, if you're in any danger of thinking that somehow it's getting weaker. But there is a greater law. There is a greater law that means you can live, not pulled down to the very depths because of the law of sin, but there is a greater law, the law of the Spirit, which enables you to rise above the law of sin. It doesn't diminish the power of the law of sin, but it means that you have power and mastery over it because a greater law is at work. I can choose to fly above the law of sin and death. Hallelujah. I can choose to do that. Why? Because the, sin of, uh, the law of sin is not powerfully at work in me? No, absolutely not. But because there is a greater law, the law of the Spirit, powerfully at work within me. So it becomes a set of choices. We have some very real choices to make about the way that we live. Even though we no longer have to think and react according to our flesh, according to the law of sin, we can choose to do so. And we by nature do that. We are so used to thinking and behaving and responding in certain ways that unless we train ourselves by the renewing of our mind to do something different, we will keep on behaving the same way whether we've become a Christian or not because that's the way we would naturally do it. Even though sin has no power over us now, why does sin have no power? Sin has no power because uh, deep in the core of my being, I'm no longer a sinner but a saint. He that is in me is greater than the one that's in the world. There is a greater law now at work in me. Therefore, sin has no power because this greater power is at work. Even though sin has no power over us, we can choose to give in to it. And we do so readily and so often because it comes so naturally to us. So although nothing can change the fact of who we are now in Christ as Christians, we can live every day almost as if nothing has changed. And that's exactly what Paul is getting well uptight about with his Galatians, among some other stuff as well. He's getting uptight because they've gone backwards. They've made this decision to follow Christ. But but instead of the whole of their lives lining up with this new spirit that's in them, the same old ways are just carrying on as if not much has changed. Paul talks often about the natural person. The person who isn't yet a Christian. The person that's physically alive but spiritually dead. ...separated from God... ...living independently from God... ...lives out this natural... ...flesh... ...sinful nature... ...existence. But there is... ...another way to live. To live as a Christian... ...transformed through faith in Christ our spirits united with God's Spirit, having received forgiveness, acceptance, and realized that our worth comes from Christ, and so on. Uh, And the bottom line of that is that we live in a new kind of way. We choose to walk in the Spirit, and we put to death the old way every single day. But, says Paul in Galatians 5, there's a danger that the person who should live like this, the spiritual person, ends up living like the fleshly person. We tend to live as if nothing much has changed. And we live under the natural law, although we are now bearers of the Spirit. And so our mind is occupied by the same wrong thoughts. Our mind is not in line with what's happened in our hearts. Our emotions are are running all over the place. We've not got them lined up with what the new Spirit is within us. And so the feelings of inferiority, insecurity, inadequacy, guilt, worry and doubt and so on all come flooding back. So he's writing to Christians and he's saying here at the end of Galatians you've got to be careful that it all lines up. It's no good saying that you made a decision once to follow Christ if you don't then make a decision every single day to get what has already happened in your heart to line up with the rest of your life. That's why what Heather was, uh, was helping us think about earlier on is so important, because it's so easy for us to think that becoming a Christian is about uh, a single choice that we make, and I've made that choice, and therefore I, uh, I'm in, uh, and that's a great thing to do. Don't get me wrong. Hey, I'm for the choice, you know. Say yes to Jesus. If you haven't, you need to. But that's not the end, it's just the beginning. Because as God puts his spirit in you and you have a brand new heart, the rest of the journey is about getting the rest of your life to line up with what's already begun to happen in your heart. And the danger is, we make a decision to follow Christ, we become a Christian, we have this new life within us, but we just do the same old stuff. And we never make the journey of becoming more like Christ of enabling the whole of our lives to line up with what's already happened in our hearts. And there's a number of uh, barriers as to why we never make that journey. Ignorance, perhaps, is one. And it's ignorance about what becoming a Christian is really all about. Becoming a Christian is about coming out of darkness into light. It is about a decision to bow the knee to Jesus Christ, to enable him to bring the kingdom of heaven into our lives. But that's just the beginning. Christian living is not a choice you made but it is a choice you make every single day because tomorrow morning and I don't know if I've got time for this now given the complexity of choosing my cereal but if tomorrow morning I have to make a choice am I going to live according to the new nature that's in me or am I going to live just the same old way I have to make that choice about tomorrow. In fact, I have to make it about every second about tomorrow, don't you? Which law am I going to allow to be dominant in my life? The law of the Spirit that is more powerful than the law of sin, or am I going to let the law of sin take its natural control? Let's not kid ourselves. Let's not be deceived that the Christian faith is a choice back then and not a daily choice, a moment-by-moment choice to say yes to the new spirit in me against the law of sin and death. And it's the same with so many things, isn't it? If I make a decision that I'm going to have a quiet time every day, that's not just a decision I make back then and think to myself, well, I'm going to have a quiet time every day. I have to make that decision every single morning, don't I? When the alarm goes off in the morning and it's cold out there, I have to make a decision. It's not once forever, it's once and all of the time. And we, if we're going to grow into all the fullness that Christ has for us, have to recognize and encourage one another that it's not just once, but it's all of the time. Forgiveness is a bit like that, isn't it? You forgive someone once and you think you've dealt with it and suddenly it's back again. You've got to do it again and you've got to do it again. It's not once for all time. It's once and it's again and it's again and it's again. Giving something up, I don't know, smoking perhaps. It's not just I'm deciding to give up smoking. You have to make that decision every single moment. And so I'm asking you and I'm asking me about our choices today. And then sometimes we just don't move away from just living out of our natural nature because we think there are just things in our lives that will just always be there, things that will never overcome, things that will never conquer. And we know that even if we move forward, this thing in my life will hold me back. I wear one of those jackets that have got those toggles on them, you know, you pull it tight round your waist and stuff, and occasionally those toggles will get caught. And I can only go so far while the elastic stretches before the inevitable happens, and I have to get pulled back. And we feel like that about some of the personal things in our lives. They're just like holding on to us. And I might be able to strain forward a little bit, but I know that it will just suck me and pull me back. Well, what are we saying earlier on? Forever God is faithful. Forever God is strong. God is with us. Is God strong enough for that personal thing in your life? Now we know what we should answer. We know know what we should answer, but what do you really think? And if you're not sure what you really think, how you behave towards that problem will give away what you really think. Is God really strong enough for that thing in your life? Or will you resign yourself to living in a just in a mediocre way, because you know it'll always beat you in the end. No, there is a new law at work in you, a new law that's stronger than the law of sin and death. That's what November the 10th will be about, our away day that you're hearing about in your small groups will be all about looking at some of the things in our lives that act like that elastic toddle that pulls us back every now and again. How can we find the freedom that Christ wants us to have? So we have a genuine choice, a genuine choice. And it's hard. It's hard because we like to think that we became a Christian and we ticked the box and we got it all sorted and we've got our certificate and and, and we're on our way to heaven. And we are. And we are. But what a tragedy to get to heaven and realize that we lived God's purpose down here somewhere when he had a plan that was up here somewhere. I mean, that's, that's a bad moment, isn't it? to get to the end of it and realise that we were down here and God wanted us up here. And it is about which spirit, which law, are you going to submit to? Not just week by week, but moment by moment. There is a natural law at work in you, even as a Christian. And Paul says very clearly, it'll result in sexual immorality, it'll result in impurity... And debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft result in hatred and discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I found all of that in church life. All of that in church life. That's what the sinful nature is about. Those are the marks of it. Paul says as a Christian you can live like that, but don't, he says, for, for the sake of heaven don't live like that. There is a greater law. Verse 22, and the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of that law is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. It's so up here that there isn't even a law that can define it. It's just a totally new way of being and of living. And those, he says, who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. So if he could have said it in brackets, so for heaven's sake, live like it then. Live like that old nature is dead and gone and buried. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. and Let us not become conceited, proud and envying each other. There's a new way, a genuine choice. A genuine choice. And we can say for as long as we like, That the law of sin and death at work in us is too strong for us. Or we can begin to believe what the Bible says is already true that the new in you, the new in you, is greater than he that's in the world. It's hard because it means the pressure is on all of the time one of the things about exams is you know there'll come a day when it's over and you kind of work really hard for the moment and uh and and maybe, you know, you, you, you kind of worked hard at your Christian life and, uh, and, and you got this living by the Spirit rather than the sinful nature to a certain level. And then because it was high, you kind of just tucked into a spiritual lay-by. Just kind of pulled in and thought, well, I'm, you know, I'm kind of settled here. Do you know, I'm in small group and I'm doing this and I'm doing that and, and I've just got all my ducks in a row and it all seems quite... You just sort of settle down. And maybe this morning, maybe this morning Jesus is saying, hey, but I, I want you up here. I want you up here. I want more of your life to line up with the new thing that I'm doing. Will you make that choice? Now for some of you, there are big things in your mind that you know mean that your life isn't lined up. For others of you, it's little things. It doesn't matter this morning whether it's a big thing or a little thing. God's faithful and he's strong and he's with us. But what's the next thing in your life to line up so that your life just edges up so it's more in step with the spirit than it is in step with the old nature. We're going to spend some time just responding uh, uh, before God. Heather's going to lead us as we, as we do that. Uh, what's, what's, what, what, are, what are you going to do? What am I going to do? If God wants my life to nudge up, what is the next thing that has to get in line?